here's a message from Ken Lavica. College football's done. The NFL's going to be done in just a couple of weeks. Are we watching basketball now? Still in the Banowitz, hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken LaVica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Programs. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. That's right, uh, guys, ladies, the NBA has been going and is going for quite some time. I think it might be time to start paying attention, though I wonder how much attention has been paid up to this point. Ken Levick Alive, Wednesday edition, here on ESPN 106.3. We're getting a nice bonus appearance this week from Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, Stone the Banowitz Friday Night Lights, keeping the lights on until 2 o'clock, coming to you from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off the Intracoastal. College football ended. Georgia national champions. That's done. Theo, we don't, uh, we don't see college football again until, and as we discussed yesterday, inexplicably, Northwestern and Nebraska play in Dublin, Ireland in late August. I still don't get it. I still don't understand that. I think maybe they like beer. Maybe they want to go out there and try the maybe, beers out there. Maybe. It's something different. Uh, it really doesn't get me going for college football. Uh, there, there's nothing exciting about that. I'm like, oh, oh, God, I can't wait for that. Uh, the NFL, you realize that we are uh, less than a month away from the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's about to be a wrap. Baseball might not happen. Oh, my goodness. So now we're in a spot where, yeah, it's, it's basketball time. It's basketball or bust. It's NBA time. And... Yesterday, you were extremely concerned. After the show yesterday, just if you could, rehash what you asked me. Rehash what you were hypothesizing uh, because you've been face full of football for months and months and months and months. And what occurred to you yesterday? It occurred to me that there are so many things going on in this NBA season. There are stars being in and out. There are new teams budding out from the depths of, we thought, you know, mediocrity forever. And I feel like there's not been enough attention paid to the NBA. Like, there is so much going on. Your Chicago Bulls, your hometown Chicago Bulls, are number one in the East. Yeah. On the other side, the Golden State Warriors, who just brought back Klay Thompson over the weekend, were already number one in the West. LeBron's Lakers suck. Like, the Celtics suck. There's so many things going on in the NBA, but I think there's been not enough attention paid to it. And not enough people watching some of these games. Like, we follow some of the storylines because of podcast and talk radio. But are we watching these NBA games right now? So, me personally, I have not been watching a lot of NBA. Am I paying attention to it? Absolutely. Am I on top of it? Yes. Have I watched a lot of it? No. So, I guess what I'm asking you then is what is your, your definition of watching the NBA? Does it count doing what I'm doing where uh, I maybe watch three full heat games all year. I've popped in a little bit when the Bulls are on TNT, but I'm largely reading recaps, watching highlights, looking at box scores. Does that count as watching the NBA, you know, or do you have to sit down, kick your feet up, and actually watch some ball? I think the typical NBA fan in this in this day and age, 
that is how most people consume the NBA. Then you'll watch a little recap on YouTube if you want to. But, like, okay. that is how the typical person does it. They stick to their favorite podcast, whether that's, like, The Low Post or Wind Horse and all, you know, and you'll listen to it that way. But usually Christmas Day is that mark, you know, that demarcation where, like, here going forward, I'm going to start paying attention. Before Christmas Day, I get it. NFL, college football, even you got the World Series going in through October. It's hard to pay attention to the NBA in these regular season games. That don't matter that much, right? Yeah. But Christmas Day usually matters. And coming up, Martin Luther King Day weekend is a big one. Or, sure. Yeah, that, that's a huge one for the NBA. Monday afternoon games. That, those Monday games, yeah. that slate is always big. I think we're going to really know on Martin Luther King Day, if people aren't watching those games, it's like, when do you start watching? Are we really going to wait until the playoffs tip off? So let's ask this because I've been paying attention but not necessarily watching. You have been sort of in my boat a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You're on top of it, but I you're not necessarily watching. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you watching the NBA? How much NBA have you watched to this point? Because it's about, we're just a couple of weeks away from that being the only thing going. That and the hockey. And the NBA is going to get the upper hand over, over hockey. That's oh, yeah. just where the nation's eyeballs go. I'm not using that as a way to knock the Florida Panthers, who I'm pumped about, and you should be jacked about them if you're here in South Florida. But how much NBA have you watched to this point? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. How much NBA have you watched to this point? Because me, admittedly, not a ton. I check it on the heat every day. Check it on the heat every night. I know Omar Yurtsevin is seeing significant minutes. Dirt season. I, 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 he's double doubling. season. He's double doubling like Shaq in the, in the freaking early 2000s. It's crazy right I now. know Kyle Guy is doing That's his right. thing right now. I know the Heat are full of 10-day contracts. <laughs> and isn't that perfect for Heat culture? That's so Heat culture um, to bring in these 10-day guys. In I want to make sure, too, the, the fact that you mentioned that. One, it's perfect for the Heat. And two, if anybody other than Eric Spolstra wins Coach of the Year, it's a disservice. That award is over yeah. because the Heat, who have not had Jimmy Butler, who have not had Bam, who have had Tyler Hero in and out of the lineup, who have had largely a bad Duncan Robinson, who have had Kyle Guy giving them minutes, who have had Omar Yurtsevin putting up double-doubles. Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin. Like, I mean, Monty Williams was raving about Yurtsevin the other night. After the Heat, that's right, the Heat shorthanded using Omar Yurtsevin. Yeah. Pounded the defending Western Conference champions. I mean, manhandled yeah. them in Phoenix. And the Suns are good this year. The Suns are like the two yeah. seed right yeah. now. But guess who, the, with all of this, guess who's the three seed in the East? It's the Heat. Miami Heat. The Heat have no business, to me, the way that the injuries have racked up and the COVID has racked up, they have no business being in the top eight. And they're two and a half games back of the Bulls in the top spot and that's, in the East. That's it. Yeah. I mean, Eric Spolster is the coach of the year. Forget Billy Donovan. Sorry. Sorry, Billy. Appreciate you. Bulls are a great story. But nobody's done what, what Eric Spolster has done. Right. No one. The way that Miami's been hit by both COVID and just injuries to their stars, it is impressive that this team is still competing. And there was a point in the season where they were falling in the standings a bit, but they've rallied together these 10-day guys are ready to play basketball in it. And it's just, again, it is a credit to the Heat organization, but it also is something that we probably could have guessed. The Heat are going to find guys off the scrap heap. They're going to bring them in there, get them in shape, and they're going to win basketball games by hell or high water. So admittedly, I have not been watching a ton of Heat. 
Paying attention to them? Yes. I've not been watching a ton of NBA. Paying attention to it? Yes. Uh, this show, we have not talked a lot of NBA because it's been all football. It's been NBA. It's been college football, but college football's done. We're about to be getting into a big NBA uh, portion of the run. schedule with this show. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA as we get into this playoff push and as guys keep coming back here with the heat. And we are your heat home here on ESPN 106.3. But... Uh, do you think that do you think that people are watching the NBA, or do you think that this is just sort of being forgotten about right now? Do you, do you because there, it's been a lot of star power out with COVID, yeah. A lot of players in and out of lineups with COVID. A lot of no names. A lot of guys on ten day contracts. A lot of G League guys who are getting really brief cups of cough in the NBA. Uh, do you think that that's dissuading people from watching? That's hurting the NBA because you don't know who you're going to be tuning into and what you're going to get in some of these primetime games. I think that's hurting it. I think also on top of that, like LeBron and the Lakers being bad and them being a seven seed right now doesn't help because, again, LeBron and him, like if he's having one of those historic, he's 37 and winning all the time seasons, I think you get a few more eyes. The Boston Celtics, bad. The Knicks, terrible. Like those things are hurting some Bing bong. Bing bong is over with. And then you got like the Memphis Grizzlies as a four seed. Nobody's, you know, nobody's, I I love y'all, but it's Memphis. You know, it's like they're 28 and 14. John Morant's a great story, but it's it's Memphis. What if I told you that at least through late December, NBA ratings are stable, the best they've been in two years, and Clay Thompson's return for the Warriors just broke viewership numbers on NBA TV. What if I told you that? Would you be shocked? And I would be 100% shocked because not enough people are talking about it. Maybe people are like in the depths of their homes watching and just not coming out or something. Like, why is it not more of a thing right now? The NBA has a lot of great stories going on. So, you got to get those, ready. All of those things I told you are true. Yeah. The NBA is thrilled with its viewership numbers mm. right now. Clay Thompson brought out viewership records on NBA TV, the NBA is doing just fine, even though you're right, in the, the national sports psyche, and every region's different, but in the national sports psyche, we know that football reigns supreme. NFL playoff time, that's going to continue to clog the airwaves, including here on ESPN 106.3, yeah. but it is clear that there is enough to go around now, and just because people aren't necessarily talking a ton about the NBA, the common people doesn't mean that plenty of people aren't watching the NBA. And that encourages me that once we get through football season, there is going to be a run on NBA unlike anything we've seen since the big three with the Heat because there's going to be no baseball right now, it appears. They have made no progress. It Mm. looks like that lockout's going well into spring training and probably well into April, maybe even into May, and it's going to be all basketball all the time. I actually think the NBA is in a great healthy spot and speaking of health these players are going to be coming back these covid circles are going to be ending because everybody in the league is going to end up having right. <laughs> gotten covid yeah. so like- it's going to be behind us at this point at some point the heat are going to get healthy jimmy's going to be back the heat ha- absolutely have enough to be the top team in the east when they're oh, healthy yeah. i would almost venture to say that they're the top team in the east knowing that Kyrie is only going to play a fraction games, yeah. of the Nets games for the rest of the season. I think the one team I'm nervous about if I'm the Heat is the Bucks, is the defending champs that a lot of people, again, are forgetting to talk about. But 
you know, the Heat do it like Heat Bucks conference finals, you know, give me that and I'll be happy with what the Heat did this season. You know? Yeah, sure. Like win or lose or draw and that like you want to win, you want to see him get back to the finals, but like going up against that Bucks team, they are a behemoth. Yeah. Yeah. I I I the Bucks are a concern. The Bulls are really good. The Bulls are. The Bulls are a lot of fun. DeMar, they had the best offseason of any team in the NBA. It is abundantly clear. I also think, though, that the emergence of a team like the Bulls is helping a little bit. People love to be nostalgic. This isn't like the Knicks being good and all of a sudden New York media wants to declare the NBA is better when the Knicks are good because that's patently false yeah. because the NBA has done just fine without the Knicks. The NBA is just fine without the Bulls being good. But I think coming off of... A year and a half ago, where you had the Bulls documentary, where you have nostalgia, where the Bulls are back to what appears to be a dominant team in the Eastern Conference, I think it's a perfect storm. And I think there's an interest. And I think that even though we're not watching, there are large pockets of America, and Chicago is a big market where they are starting to tune in on a game-to-game basis as opposed to occasionally. And they've largely been fairly healthy which has definitely helped the cause. I think sometimes down here in South Florida, and Heat TV numbers are great on yeah. valleys. They are great on valleys. But what's hurt discussing the Heat on Sports Talk Radio is how much time can we spend talking about Caleb Martin? Yeah. <laughs> you know? How much time can we spend talking about Kyle Guy? Well, you got to find more time to explain who these guys are. Yeah. And then, then we can talk about them. Yeah. It's going to be much easier to talk about the Heat when Jimmy's back. Jimmy, and when Bam, Bam is Kyle, back, when PJ. Tyler Hero's playing, when PJ's back, mm. absolutely. That's going to make it a lot easier, and that's going to happen. That's going to happen, and we are going to talk about them. When Keith comes back, we're going to talk about these people. But until then, it's just tough. It's tough to focus in on it. How much NBA have you watched to this point? Not that you're going to watch, but how much NBA have you watched to this point? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Theo and I, admittedly, not a ton. Yeah. Not a lot of it. We're up on it, but not a lot of it. Haven't talked uh, about a lot of it here. But TV numbers are pretty good. It really seems like Theo and I are a little bit of the anomaly. We're a little bit of the minority here yeah. that we're not watching NBA. But now that the, that, that the NFL, whether you, you want to uh, come to the realization or not, the NFL's done in a couple of weeks. The NFL's done in a handful of weeks. And then the NBA and the NHL are going to be the only games in town is baseball, buddies, let me tell you, that's going to be a long fight. And I think we're missing part of that regular season, if not the entire Major League Baseball regular yeah. season. It's not looking good at all. It's not feeling good at all. How much NBA have you watched to this point? Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. How much NBA have you watched to this point? We're here until 2 o'clock on ESPN 106.3. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levicka. More after this on ESPN West Palm. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3, presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. What did Stephen Ross mean? We'll go back to Stephen Ross's Zoom press conference after he fired Brian Flores on Monday. Ken Levick, Theo Dorsey, 
uh, hanging out with us this segment here on ESPN 106.3, Theodore WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. Uh, let me tell you about Pat Lawler, Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys. He's going to join us, our sports law, sports agent insider, uh, later on in the show. Uh, he also is uh, someone who you need to go to if you have a personal injury matter. That free consultation, wanttolawyerup.com. Slip and fall, an automobile accident, a boating accident, any sort of accident. That's Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys, wanttolawyerup.com. That's wanttolawyerup.com. Uh, something that I keep going back to, Theo, because I keep seeing it pop up on social media, is whatever is going to happen between the Dolphins and Jim Harbaugh. Immediately, immediately after Brian Flores was fired on Monday, I think the obvious place to go to was, well, Jim Harbaugh's the target. Jim Harbaugh is who Stephen Ross is going to go for. But then you almost as quickly as you had that thought started seeing the likes of Jeff Darlington tweet that uh, Jim Harbaugh is not a target. Brian Flores' firing had nothing to do with Jim Harbaugh's potential availability. Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post tweeting that sources tell him that Jim Harbaugh is not going to Miami. I don't buy the Joe Shad in any way, shape, or form. Because something you're going to see a lot of over the next couple of days are league sources, league sources, which are agents for anybody who wants a little peek behind the curtain yeah. of how to report in sports. When you see league sources, those are agents that are talking to reporters. That's what a league source is. They don't know anything, but they have opinions. Well, they, they don't just have opinions. They have also an agenda. Yeah, they have some skin in the game. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to tell you one thing so that this might help my client yep. in the public view. Or it might give my client more leverage in negotiations as he's trying to become the Miami Dolphins' next head coach. Yep, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. So, take all of those with the proverbial sports grain of salt. When you see league sources just completely poo-pooing something that seems like it would have an awful lot of common sense. And Stephen Ross having interest in Jim Harbaugh makes an awful lot of sense, obviously, for a variety of reasons. Stephen Ross, Michigan man. That's his school. That is where he holds a lot of his pride. It's where he gives a lot of his money. A lot of a guy who's worth a lot of money. He has a relationship with Jim Harbaugh. He already tried to get Jim Harbaugh. Openly. Openly. With a head coach. Still employed. <laughs> which made for controversy in 2011. And then Stephen Ross said this on Monday. Which then sent Dolphins fans into the deep pits of depression and despair. Jim Harbaugh. I love Jim Harbaugh. Um, had the opportunity once before to come to, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan, as everybody really knows. And I guess that's really one of my really, uh, that is my school I graduated from and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. So on its face, you hear that. And uh, Stephen Ross saying, I'm not going to be the one to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. He's a great coach, and I hope he stays there. Understandably, uh, the immediate reaction from Dolphins fans is, then why would you get rid of Brian Flores? Why would you fire Brian Flores if you're not going to get Jim Harbaugh? Like, understandably so. Yeah. I think that people were disappointed and probably downright angry. 
Yeah, especially because that's the guy that was, you know, held up as the guy that you should fire Brian Flores for. Because Brian Flores, yeah. again, didn't, I mean, he had enough there to say this is why he got fired, but he had enough there to say this is why you keep Yeah, him. he had enough there. He had enough, uh, there was enough evidence to fire him, but it wasn't fair that he got fired. He didn't yeah. deserve to be fired, but he had enough evidence there to be fired, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think those can be mutually exclusive. And for you to fire him without already having the other person, like... It would be bizarre. Yeah, yeah. it's like kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. weird. So it, it, everybody made sense of the Brian Flores firing by saying, oh, I guess we're getting Jim Harbaugh. And, and then, then he says that. Yeah. But let's hear it one more time. Let's listen to that one more time, because I don't think Stephen Ross is being understood exactly how he's trying to put potential interest in Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I love Jim Harbaugh. Uh, had the opportunity once before to come to, to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Uh, but uh, he's at the University of Michigan. As everybody really knows, I guess that's really one of my really, uh, that is my school I graduated from and I'm very involved in it. And I'm not going to be the person that takes Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan. I hope he stays there. He's a great coach. I'm not going to be the person who takes Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. What Stephen Ross isn't saying is, what if Jim Harbaugh makes the decision to leave Michigan? Because for me, I think for Stephen Ross, while he's not going to pull Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan, not going to try and entice him away from Michigan, if you believe the report after report after report after report that Jim Harbaugh wants to make the leap to the NFL... Jim Harbaugh is going to make the decision for Stephen Ross that Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. And then, to me, I think it's game on for Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. Yeah. Once Harbaugh makes himself available at any point, at any sense, or even, you know, even flirts with being available for the NFL, I think it's a yeah, full-court press, similar to what yeah. we saw when they... Wanted Deshaun Watson? Because I don't... This is all going to be... No matter the team, this is going to be contingent on Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I'm sure the Bears or the Raiders will reach out to Jim Harbaugh now, but don't think there hasn't already been discourse between Stephen Ross and maybe even Jim Harbaugh personally. That's his buddy. I mean, of that's course. his boy. Yeah, I don't even think an agent is involved here. Yeah, I think, think it's that's just. Correct. And there are reports that from Pro Football Talk that Stephen Ross and Jim Harbaugh have already talked about an extension at Michigan, about a new contract at Michigan. Don't think that it wouldn't take the stamp of a finger to start talking about a deal with the Dolphins. Do not despair. And there's a lot of hearsay in these coaching searches. And you made a great point, Theo. There are a lot of people, agents, who want stuff out there to push a narrative, to court public opinion. Mm. And with this, Stephen Ross isn't saying that Jim Harbaugh is not going to be a Dolphins target. He's saying he's not going to be the one that pulls Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. But if Jim Harbaugh makes the decision that Jim Harbaugh is separating from Michigan, then the Dolphins will absolutely make Jim Harbaugh fair game in a coaching search. I, I firmly believe that. I don't think there's anything out of Stephen Ross that suggests to me Anything that he said that suggests to me that the Dolphins aren't going to pursue and go all in on Jim Harbaugh. All they need is the yes to, are you leaving Michigan? Yeah, they, they need the green. Really, they don't need the green light. They need the yellow light. Mm -hmm. They just need to see that there's a slither of a chance. It's almost yeah. like 
with when you know a guy that's pursuing a woman and you really you just need a slither of the oh she might give me the time of day well I'm yep. gonna pursue then yep you know like yep. they just want to see that one lock of eye contact from across the bar or whatever and they're jumping in yep and so this Jeff Darlington tech, uh, tweet that I referenced Jeff Darlington formerly of the Miami Herald now with ESPN here's what he tweeted that initially had people saying what the hell that Dolphins aren't going after Harbaugh uh, here's here's the tweet. While I realize many are assuming Flores' departure is tied to Harbaugh's potential availability, I can assure you that's not the case. The Dolphins are not targeting Jim Harbaugh per sources. The decision to fire Flores is entirely independent. What Jeff Darlington is saying there is that Brian Flores, the decision to let him go, was completely separate of any availability that Jim Harbaugh may have. Mm. It's a little misleading the way it's worded. The Dolphins are not targeting Jim Harbaugh per sources. Yeah, they're not targeting him right now. Because, as Stephen Ross put it, he is still the head coach at Michigan and hasn't given the indication, the go-ahead yet, that he's leaving Michigan. But I do think that every day we hear another report or read another report that Jim Harbaugh is talking with coaches, putting together a potential NFL staff. Jim Harbaugh, the expectation is that he's going to want to make a leap to the NFL. He's going to give an indication. He is going to throw up a green light and then that is when the rush is on for Jim Harbaugh. That doesn't mean the Dolphins aren't targeting him. They're simply just waiting because Stephen Ross is not interested in enticing Jim Harbaugh yeah. away from Michigan. And it, I'm sure it, it's frustrating for Dolphins fans who wish that the Dolphins owner would uh, maybe put the Dolphins ahead of Michigan because there's dual loyalty here. It's very sensitive for Stephen Ross. But I think it's perfectly reasonable, to be honest. And I don't think it's any reason to panic that they're just going to turn the other way and not focus on Harbaugh. Yeah, and if anything, the Dolphins should be the front runner for Harbaugh yeah. if he is made available to yes. the NFL. Like, look at that relationship with Michigan and that being his alma mater and that and Harbaugh being his buddy, obviously, as a connector and not a deterrent from Harbaugh coming here. If he's going to the NFL, Miami has a good chance. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if you you look at, at the Dolphins, you look at the Lions, or not the Lions, the Bears, um, you look at the Raiders. Those are the three teams that have most significantly been the ja Jaguars are they're available at least. Yeah, the Jaguars have yet. an opening. Yeah. Oh, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is necessarily uh, going to be interested in going to Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Jim Harbaugh can be a little erratic, but the three teams that have most been tied to Harbaugh are the Dolphins, the Bears, and the Raiders. I don't think that the Dolphins are at a disadvantage compared to the other two. No. I mean, all have quarterback options I, I i mean that's a nice way to put it yeah yeah uh, you don't know what justin fields is you know he's got loads of athleticism tua is very much a work in progress you know he's got a a, a, a good head on him he can stay even yeah. can you squeeze out his potential and then Derek carr Derek carr we kind of know what he is now he's he's okay yeah he's okay he's someone not, you can work with yeah he's not david carr no he's he's, he's better yeah he's not you know He's not like, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He's somewhere, he, he's, a, he's a workable quarterback. They're a playoff team. And he That's makes throws. Fun. Like, the throw yeah. he made to Zay Jones, like, he yeah. makes throws here and there. Is, is he inconsistent? Yeah. Is he sometimes going to do things that make you want to bang your head into a concrete wall? Yeah. yeah. But he's a playoff quarterback. He's a, he's a playoff quarterback. So, yeah, that's enticing. But I don't think that there's such a wide crevasse between the Dolphins and the Raiders when it comes to who Harbaugh would pick. And again, nothing that Stephen Ross said tells me that Stephen Ross is not eventually, when he gets the thumbs up, going to try and go get 
Jim Harbaugh. Stephen Ross has shown if a guy is out there, he's going to try and get him. Look at who Sean Watson. Yeah, he went to. He's still trying to get him. Adam Beasley uh, 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 is reporting, former Miami Herald writer, that it was it was Flores who wanted Deshaun Watson. That Flores is the one who really? wanted the pursuit of Deshaun Watson because he didn't trust Tua. Because he didn't want Tua. That goes in line with the way that Flores was using Tua, especially early on. So I can mm -hmm. see that. So. Mm -hmm. Not starting him in games like Baltimore where he clearly appeared to be healthy. Yeah. I, I, I just, listen, and I'm not using this to bash Brian Flores, but Brian Flores is no longer there. It's an unpopular firing in NFL circles. But Stephen Ross, while he has lacked wins as an owner, and I understand Dolphins fans' frustrations, he's not a dope. He's not an idiot, and he's someone that has put himself on the line an awful lot to get big-time players, opened up his checkbook to try and get big-time players. Have they worked out? Largely no, mm -hmm. unfortunately. He's been extremely unlucky. I don't know. The team might be cursed, but I do know that he goes for it. And if Jim Harbaugh says, hey, NFL, come get me, nothing that Stephen Ross said makes me think that he's not going to go for it. Yeah, and he has to be, Jim Harbaugh has to be the apple of everybody's eye at this point. I right? think so. Like, he's probably the top coaching candidate, right? Yeah, and it's funny because he's still, like, well-endowed and in a good job. Like, he yeah. likes that job at Michigan, but he's yeah. the top coaching candidate in the NFL. Uh, here's the thing, though. Michigan last year said, hey, bro, we need you to take a pay cut. This hasn't gone the way we thought it was going to go, so we're taking some of your salary back, and not just some, a lot yeah. of your salary back. And so he came back, gave him a Big Ten championship, and I think that might be what's spurring this as well, where yeah. it's a little of, all right, you didn't believe in me, and you slashed my contract in half? Well, here's your winner, and also, here's my middle finger. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Or, but then again, that, that's what also makes me wonder, is this a leverage play by Harbaugh to let this linger, let this be. linger but while he this... works on the negotiation? Yeah, but man, it has lingered for a long time, right? Yeah. They and, should come out with that extension if it's going to come out. Yeah, because the fact that we haven't heard anything from Michigan, we haven't heard anything from Harbaugh, and it has been a week at this point. Yeah. It, has, it, it hasn't even been, like, when we were talking about this last week, 24 hours we didn't hear anything. That's how we knew this was real. This has been a week, and we have multiple reports where Harbaugh is apparently reaching out to potential NFL assistants. So there's something here. Something's bubbling. This is more than just a ploy to get extended. This is more than just <laughs> Lane Kiffin putting his name out for every job imaginable in order for Ole Miss to extend him. There's something to this. There's, yeah. there's substance to this whole thing with Jim Harbaugh. But Stephen Ross has not said in my mind or in Theo's mind at all that he's not going to target Jim Harbaugh. It just so happens that right now he's not a target because he hasn't given the indication that he is officially leaving Michigan, which I still think is going to happen, and I still think the Dolphins are going to have a say on the future of Jim Harbaugh. Ken Levick alive on ESPN 106.3, Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick, and more after this on ESPN West Palm. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica.
pleasure now as the GameBridge LPGA comes up January 27th through January 30th at Boca Rio, making its return. And the woman who last won it when it was at Boca Rio is Madeline Sackstrom, and she joins us here on uh, ESPN 106.3. And Madeline, first of all, appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, for, for you to come back to the place where you won your first LPGA Tour tournament, I got to think that while well, you went through the whole uh, media scrum last year as the defending champion to actually return to the place where you won it a couple of years ago has got to be pretty significant for you. Uh, yes, thank you for having me so much. Um, it's, it's It kind of feels like I'm kind of defending champion two years in a row and I finally get to go back to to where I where I played and where I won and I know last year I was still defending champion but it's it, it's it really feels nice to go back I, I clearly love that golf course so I uh, I have good memories and I'm very excited nice for you too being uh, an Orlando resident uh, you can just uh, shoot down the turnpike into Boca Raton it's not quite a home game but it's it's pretty close to one for you yeah, no, this first stretch for us is actually really nice. I get to start I get to start in Orlando and then heading down to Boca. So it's uh, it's nice to drive your own car. We we fly and travel so much. So every time when you have that luxury, it's uh it, it just makes you really excited. I have spent my entire professional career just talking, just saying things. Like, it's what I do. I've never had the satisfaction of winning a competitive sporting event, a tournament, and you were able to, to pick up your first LPGA Tour win uh, at the Boca Rio. I know it's a while ago, but I'm sure you still are able to recapture some of those feelings, finally able to to hoist a trophy. What are your, your biggest recollections of the game bridge? Uh, back in uh, 2020? Well, I think you always tried. I mean, we're, you lose more in my sport than you win. So it's it's one of those feelings you want to linger on and you want to go back and revisit those. I, I do save a lot of memories from that week. I have a lot of the TV footage on my phone and I, I try to go back and I look at it and just see what did I do then? How did I feel? Um, but for me, like the biggest thing, it was just kind of how easy it was. I felt so at peace. Obviously, I was nervous. I was excited. But those are kind of the feelings that, that we as golfers want. Most professional athletes want because then you know you're in it. So, sure. um, But just kind of how, how, how at place I felt. Like I knew that my game was good enough and I just, and I just needed to let go and, and kind of get that result with it. Just prove that I belong on the LPGA Tour and I, I belong in the winner's circle. I broadcast a lot of college football, a lot of college basketball, and I know in the biggest moments late in games, I'm nervous, and I'm just describing the action uh, for you. And that win at the game bridge that came down to uh, the final hole uh, for you, how do you keep your composure? How do you keep yourself even killed enough to where you can still perform and you're feeling the nervousness, but you're still able to function? How do you do that? I think it comes down to, I mean, we've done the reps, you've done the practice, you know, um, you know, you've put in the time and, and I, I do, I kind of go back now to when people say, even when Tiger says like, I've done the grind, it's like now this is your time to just go out and play and enjoy it. And, and I think that kind of comes back to just trusting that you put in the work. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult, but it, I think a lot of it comes with experience. The, the younger you are, the more nervous you get. And then the more experience you get, then you, you know you've been in these situations before. I mean, I've been up there a bit last year. I never really pulled it off, but it, it's still you, remind, you get reminded of the feelings because you've had them before.
2020 Gamebridge LPGA champion Madeline Sangstrom with us here on ESPN 106.3. We are just a couple of weeks away from the Gamebridge LPGA back at Boca Rio. And uh, how is the holidays for you? What do you do during the holidays from a golf standpoint? How much do you kick your feet up a little bit and just sort of relax so you can gear up for the grind that's about to come? I I was I took two weeks off uh, in the beginning right after uh, we played our tour final. So I actually went back to Sweden got to see some family. Uh, it's been a bit of a struggle with COVID for us. So like for everyone else, so it's been a bit struggle to travel overseas to see everyone. So it was nice to kind of go back uh, and do that. But then I went back to America pretty quick after and I, I'd have practice since before Christmas. So um, my coach was just in town and we've been doing some really long days these last five days. So that's kind of been my preseason work. And now it's we're getting more into getting the tournaments mode ready. So we've been doing more mechanical work. I've been working a lot in my gym and just uh, just trying to get the body ready. And now I think it's time to get the mind more ready. The, the first couple of tournaments of the year, how much stock do you take in it? I know you want to win. I know that's the objective is to win tournaments, but there's also a buildup for majors and for, for later on in the year. How do you consume the first couple of tournaments of the year? What are you trying to accomplish other than just victories here? Well, this year is kind of it's kind of good. We we play three weeks and then we have three weeks off. So this year is kind of that you get a little test, okay? What because every every year you sit down, okay? This is what I liked about my play, and this mm -hmm. is what I want to improve. So you you spend a good couple months of actually trying to improve your game and figure out those weaknesses. But so these these are kind of really the testing zone. Like, have I done the right work? And so it, things are going in the right direction. And then I think that. I'm going to sit down and look, okay, this is what I've been, this is the effort I've been putting in. Is it doing the results that I want? So um, it's a good little startup, but at the same time, like you said, I mean, we want to go out and we want to win. So uh, it's a, it's a bit mixed feelings, but I think everyone out on tour, they're always trying to improve. That's, that's what we're searching for. So um, that's kind of, you got, you got to get to check it out. One of the great things about Madeline Sackstrom is that she is very open about where her game is at and how she's feeling at a certain time. That's what I've enjoyed most about following your career. And so I do want to ask you, you finishing tied for second at the Open Championship, that is far and away your, your best major performance. I have to imagine you do that and you say to yourself, you know what? It actually is very realistic that I could grab one of these sometime soon. No, for sure. And I think that's, uh, I was on a good run in 2020. And then, and then when we had our massive break there for five months, it, it kind of hit me hard. I didn't play as well when I came back out. And I, I, I mean, obviously I wish I would have kept going and I've been kind of searching a little bit since kind of been trying out a few things didn't work out. So I really think that's this summertime. I played very well at the Olympics too. And I had some good, finishes before that so that's kind of I, I knew then that I've kind of gotten back in, back into my rhythm um, I was doing good things and they were leading in the right direction I switched out my putting a little bit more and um, started doing aim point and it's just I can just see that the things that I had tried worked so now it's just continuing to work on the puzzle and then just hoping when that day comes that the puzzle falls in like in the right place Sure. I do have to ask you, how does a, uh, a young woman golfer from Sweden, uh, how long does it take her to adjust to LSU, to Baton Rouge? What was that like uh, bringing your life to, uh, I mean, such a vastly different place than where you grew up? 
I really think that the people kind of took embraced me and just and just let me be a part of the community. It it was I mean a massive culture shock. Obviously, it it was it was and nothing that I've ever experienced before. I came to came to a school and people thought it was cool that I played golf and I had never had that really <laughs> back at home. So it um, everybody really just took care of me. It it was so nice. I I had a fantastic school to be able to practice and I love the culture. I love food, so it fit me right. It fit me so well. Uh, it was some of the golf part that was that took me a bit of a while, like kind of like Bermuda grass took me a good five years to yeah. figure out. So, so it 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 was a, it was a it was a great experience, and I would never change it for anything. So it uh, I really enjoyed my time there. That is awesome. I've actually never met anyone who's had a bad time in Baton Rouge, so that's good that, uh, that the streak is alive now. Uh, Madeline Sagstrom with us here on ESPN 106.3. couple of more for the 2020 Gamebridge LPGA champion headed back to Boca Rio here in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, with, with Boca Rio, what are the most challenging parts of that course where if you conquer it, you feel like you're in a position to win? When we played in 2020, it was playing fairly long. So I think that's having a solid ball, uh, ball striking week is really good. And like we know Florida, you it can get really windy here. So yeah. I think that that's definitely going to play a big part. Uh, we had some windy days back in 2020. So I mean, I hope for some wind because I think the Florida golf is fun. Um, and also, I think that the short game is, is kind of tricky because like I said, we have Bermuda uh, in Florida and it, it gets a little bit you need to play different shots than we might do when we're playing up in Michigan and stuff. So um, I love it because I mean, I mean, I'm based in Florida, so I love that kind of game. So uh, it fits my eye very well. It fits my game very well. So it's, uh, it's all about the conditions really. I did want to ask you as well. Uh, ProMedica is the new presenting sponsor of the USGA Championship, and that means that the U.S. Women's Open, the payout's going to be up to ten million dollars this year. Uh, it's going to ramp up each year, and it's going to end up being fairly close to what the men make. There is going to be maybe more so equal pay than we've ever seen uh, between uh, the two different golf organizations. For you, uh, one that's got to be gratifying fine two it's probably got to feel like a long time coming but three it seems like there is such a massive effort being made now i think that's something that the women's sort of we've done we've worked so hard for a lot of years we do a fantastic job with sponsors we do great with proam so it's it's really it's really great to see that um that everybody is want to bring the women's game to a higher level and i think it's 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 great for the youth coming from below, knowing that they have a great future and a great establishment establishment to go to and play at. So, I mean, it's for us. It's it's just a keep. It's a building block from what we've done. We worked for a long time, and I know all the girls want to see it more equal. And I, I think that the men too want to see it more equal. So it's uh, yeah. It's uh, it's just such a great way to. I mean, I think women's golf is it's been growing so well over the last few years and it's, it's just proof that all our hard work is coming coming together yeah. There's so much star power and it's such an entertaining product and uh, you're right. It is starting to come up here in a major way. And uh, I think there, there should be more buy-in because again, this is a great product that's out there on a near week to week basis. But again, Madeline Sackstrom, one of the young stars that is making this big push for women's golf and she'll be at Boca Rio for the Gamebridge LPGA January 27th, heading down from her home in Orlando to try and win at Boca Rio for a second straight time. Madeline, thank you so much for the time. Really awesome to talk to you. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks down here, okay? 
Thank you for having me. I look forward to it. One of the brightest stars in women's golf, Madeline Sagstrom, here with us on Ken Levicka Live. More to come. I'm Ken Levicka, and we're on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Why I feel deceived, why I feel misled, why I feel bamboozled by ESPN and the college football playoff. But I want to remind you that Ken LaVica Live is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. It's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. So Monday night, the national championship game, and uh, as I've, I've talked about throughout the week, I forgot that the game existed and forgot it was being played until 11.30 in the morning on, well, Monday, just uh, several hours before kickoff. But I also, in the process of being reminded that Alabama and Georgia were playing for a big old trophy, uh, I was reminded that Katy Perry would be the halftime performer. Katy Perry, uh, the the lovely Katy Perry, uh, the pop sensation, the star uh, who, who came to to, to fame with I Kissed a Girl, had one of the memorable Super Bowl halftime performances with Left Shark. Uh, I hear Katy Perry performing at halftime, and I'm like, you know, fine, I'll, I'll give it a glance. I'm not a huge Katy Perry fan. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not someone who goes out and buys albums or buys music of Katy Perry, but definitely aware of her. I, uh, I definitely know she's a very, very beautiful woman. She is a transcendent superstar. Uh, she's a known quantity, as they say, in the music industry. Here's a, here's a little bit of that, uh, that Katy Perry performance from the National Championship game Monday. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, so you hear that, and yeah, it's good. It, 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 it's good. Here's the, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It was a music video. There was no performance. There was no show. There was nothing like that. It was a music video. They presented a music video and tried to pass it off as a halftime show. Who does that? Whose fault is that? Is that Katy Perry? Like, what happened there? Did Katy Perry have a flight canceled and she couldn't make it to Indianapolis? Did they decide to pull wool over our music-loving eyes and the plan the whole time was to play a music video? You can't sell something as a performance or as a show and then play a music video. I have not seen one good explanation. I've not heard one good excuse for why that happened. That wasn't a show. That wasn't a performance. That was a music video. Who's responsible for this? I want to know. I need to know. Me, the American consumer, the music fan, the college football fan. I get told there's going to be a halftime show. I expect a halftime show. I want a stage. I want people dressed up. I want sultry dancing. I want backup dancers. I want instruments. I want the whole thing. I want strobe lights. I want uh, fans holding up 
different uh, glow stick lights. I want the whole effect. Roger Goodell wouldn't do something like this. He'd bring us a damn performer in the flesh. What does college football think it is? Who does Katy Perry think she is? You know who wouldn't have done that? Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. You know who wouldn't have done that? Lady Gaga. You know who wouldn't have done that? Uh, uh, insert country musician here. And I hate country music. But those people would have showed up and they're bottom of the barrel in music. They're gum underneath my shoe in music and they would have showed up. They would have satisfied my live music urge. Kelly Clarkson would have showed up in person. She would have been part of the halftime performance. She would have performed. She would have put on a show. But no, Katy Perry. And you'd think Katy Perry's standard would be super high because she she was part of still one of the most talked about Super Bowl halftime shows of the last decade with her, her, her sharks. It was good. It was funny. It was cute. But this, she disappointed me. She deceived us. She misled us. She bamboozled us. This isn't good enough from Katy Perry. You don't promote a performance or a show at halftime of a massive football game, and then it turns out to be a music video. So what happened in, in Indy? Did the fans just look at the scoreboard, and that was their halftime show? There was nothing going on on the field? Where's the stage? Where are the young children who sing in chorus with the star? Where are the people wearing bungee cords soaring through the air? Where was my concert? Where was my performance? Where was my show? Katy Perry, I'll never forgive you for this. I'll never forgive you for this, Katy Perry. You said you were going to perform. You said there was going to be a show. And you foisted upon me a music video. Nonsense. Listening Lunch is next. Ken Levick Alive, ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Just moments away from the listing lunch here on ESPN 106.3. And uh, Ken Levick Alive is presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. 22 years of preparing the sports executives of tomorrow. That's the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. Time now for the listening lunch. The audio clips you need to hear and we react to them here on Ken Levick Alive. And we start with Keyshawn Johnson. He was on First Take yesterday on ESPN. And uh, Keyshawn, we're going to hear from him a couple of times in the listening lunch. He is ready to put Carby Smart ahead of Dabo Swinney in the pantheon of college football coaches. I think he passes Dabo Swinney to me. I give a lot of credit to Dabo Swinney's staff that he had at Clemson in the heyday. When you have... Tony Elliott, who is now the head coach of Virginia, or Jeff Scott, who's now the head coach at South Florida. Chad Morris, who is the head coach at SMU in Arkansas, who's now the head coach in Allen, Texas at a high school, who probably, who knows, he may wind up back at Clemson as the offensive coordinator. And then Brent Venables, who's the head new head coach at University of Oklahoma, and you know what his defense is, was like at Clemson. So I give a lot of that credit to them from recruiting and calling the defense and the offense for many years 
at Clemson, where Kirby Smart has been consistent as a defensive coordinator, whether it was at Alabama or now we see it at Georgia, where his defense is, you know, considered one of the top six or seven defenses in college football history. So never mind the fact that Dabo Swinney won two national championships in three years. Never mind the fact that Dabo Swinney delivered Alabama its biggest beating in uh, their history in the college football playoff to win the 2018 national title. Never mind the fact that Dabo, two-time national champion, Kirby Smart just won his first and just figured out a way to beat Nick Saban. Keyshawn Johnson wants you to know that... That wasn't Dabo, and I can't believe that Keyshawn Johnson's put me in a situation to defend Dabo Swinney, who just makes my skin crawl every time he talks. Dabo Swinney, because he had an awesome staff, because he put together an all-world staff, he doesn't get credit for that. Kirby Smart gets credit, though, because he was a coordinator, and then he won a national championship as a head coach. Uh, got it. Seems like some really sketchy rationale. It almost seems like someone's trying to make a point that's not there. I hadn't heard anybody say that Kirby Smart has made himself the more superior college coach to Dabo Swinney. Dabo Swinney figured out Nick Saban well before Kirby Smart did. Kirby Smart a month ago got destroyed as a favorite, a heavy favorite, against Alabama in the SEC championship. Great work by Kirby Smart to figure it out, to make adjustments, to come up with a winning game plan, to beat Nick Saban, to win a national championship. But there is nowhere in this college football universe where Kirby Smart right now is superior to Dabo Swinney. Kirby Smart has gone to two college football playoffs. Dabo Swinney has lived in the college football playoff. Dabo Swinney has dominated his conference. Dabo Swinney has won two national titles. You can't give Kirby Smart credit for being an established championship coordinator and then won a national championship as a head coach, but say, up, oh, Dabo isn't as good because it was his staff that was better. And so Dabo shouldn't get direct credit. Guess who built those staffs? Dabo Swinney. That's insanity. It's almost just having a point for the sake of having a point for the sake of making an argumentative topic. I don't necessarily think Keyshawn believes what he's saying there. Sure did find a lot of reasons to try and undercut Dabo's accomplishments and didn't have an awful lot of reasons why Kirby Smart is actually considered a better coach than Dabo Swinney other than actually, well bringing it up. Let's stick with college football listening lunch here on Ken LeVick Alive, ESPN 106.3. Have you until 2 o'clock. Paul Feinbaum, boy was he impressed with Georgia. Boy was he impressed with the Bulldogs national championship win over his beloved Nick Saban and Alabama. Listen to how Paul Feinbaum describes Georgia winning the national championship. No one really was predicting it was going to go this way. We spoke last week. None of us said this. Kirby Smart, though, finally getting over the hump, knocking off his former boss and Nick Saban. So, Paul, what is the significance of this win for the Georgia program? It's earth-shattering, Charlie, because this is something that a lot of people really didn't think could happen, at least in the age of Nick Saban. And I think that's what makes this even more significant. And Saban had retired in two or three years, and Kirby Smart then won a title. 
it would have still counted. Uh, but in, in some people's minds, it would have been discounted. But when you go up against your boss, the greatest coach of all time, and you beat him, and you don't just beat him, you run over him in the fourth quarter. It, 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 it is something that will live forever. I, I, I remember that national championship in Georgia in 1980. And what, what was interesting is the next two years, they lost in the final game. They could have won three national championships in a row. And it, it just became a curse. And we know what happened four years ago with uh, the walk-off between Tua and Devontae Smith. And a lot of people, even though we all said the same thing, Georgia is the better team, it was hard to go against Nick Saban. And, and I think all of these reasons have made this one of the most significant wins for any school uh, in, in recent memory. Wow, that is extremely bold. Let's hear one more time how Paul Feinbaum described Georgia's win. The key word here. No one really was predicting it was going to go this way. We spoke last week. None of us said this. Kirby Smart, though, finally getting over the hump, knocking off his former boss, Nick Saban. So, Paul, what is the significance of this win for the Georgia program? It's earth-shattering. Man, is that extreme. Earth-shattering, says Paul Feinbaum. Earth-shattering. Georgia beating Alabama as a favorite. Georgia was the favorite in this game, and they beat Alabama. He's right. It's significant for Georgia. Hadn't won it since 1980. Seemed like they were cursed. Seemed like they weren't going to get to this spot again. The ultimate heartbreak, coming one play away from winning the national championship, only to see Tua in relief break their hearts four years ago. But earth-shattering? Earth-shattering? Cincinnati beating Alabama would have been earth-shattering. Cincinnati beating uh, Georgia, earth-shattering. Cincinnati beating Michigan would have been earth-shattering. Georgia beating Alabama by 50 would have been incredible, but not earth-shattering. There is no way in any spot in college football where Georgia beating Alabama is earth-shattering. Just because Kirby Smart finally got the best of Saban, just because Georgia figured out the Alabama puzzle pieces, doesn't mean it's earth-shattering. Theo Dorsey and I were talking yesterday about the college football season and about how it was nice to have a new champion. We graded the college football season. It was nice to have a new champion. But nothing really feels different. You want to know why? Because it was still an SEC power that won. The SEC beat the SEC. Georgia beat Alabama. This isn't Vandy beating Alabama. This was Georgia beating Alabama. There's nothing about that that's earth-shattering. There's nothing about that that's shocking. Georgia, as a favorite, beat Alabama. Honestly, Alabama's win over Georgia in the SEC title game, the way they did it, was more earth-shattering than Georgia winning the national championship over Alabama. Nothing's different. It's a different school. It's not a different level of football and not a different conference that won the national championship. I get Paul Feinbaum is all SEC all the time. I get that there is a certain fan base that he's trying to cater to and people he's trying to cater to, and he's done such an exceptional job of it. But nowhere, no time, is Georgia beating Alabama earth-shattering in the landscape of college football. Ken LeVick alive 
as we head to our final clip in the listening lunch. An ESPN 106.3 free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. We had a good old-fashioned first-take throwdown on Tuesday afternoon when Keyshawn Johnson and Jeff Saturday went at it over who's the MVP, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. And Keyshawn, I sent you to hear from him again. He is pro-Aaron. You act like 37 touchdowns in 43 is that far off. One dude throw four interceptions, I, I the other not... dude throws 12. I mean, like, because okay, he, he threw, played, he, he played the Saints. He played the Saints one time. Brady played them twice, and both of the Saints ate both them dudes up. So we can go ahead and throw that's, that's more about, to really good defenses. The, that's more about the Saints defense. That's not about the quarterbacks. That's just the Saints defense is really good. But they good. took it from both those quarterbacks. Yeah, they but ate you, both those quarterbacks up. So are you telling me a healthy Tampa Bay Buccaneers team minus Tom Brady wouldn't be able to? They kind of. Float alone they haven't been healthy. A healthy Green Bay without Aaron Rodgers. They they have not been healthy. Mm-hmm. It's what has happened this season and what has been asked of Tom Brady well, as opposed like, to you, what's you, been you, asked you, of Aaron Rodgers. You're, you're, you're acting like Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers have been fully healthy too. They haven't. You know their secondary no, I, was the, I, I, I their secondary say, was yeah. depleted. Okay. Their secondary so, was yeah, depleted. So, yeah, they so missed, was, so they were missing Randall Cobb for a minute there. I'm just Agreed. saying. Aaron what I'm Jones telling you is some time. When, when you so so you don't think 1,200 yards and the second ranked offense says anything about I can't that Tom but, Brady has but, played but, slightly but better Jeff, than Aaron Rodgers. I can't look at the total numbers on statistics and pick an MVP based on that. Because the situations is such that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is playing from behind a lot of the times, and Brady is throwing the football. It's not saying that they both sure. don't deserve it, but he's pushing the ball down the field. Where that's my point. Is but he's that's required to that's what he's saying. If it wasn't for Brady, they wouldn't be winning these games. No, Charlie, that's right. not true. I think I think they would win some games if Brady wasn't in there. Not all of them, but some no. because How? They, well, they <laughs> no. still could run the they still could have ran the football when they had Jones and they had Fournette. Okay, they still have a solid defense. The back end of they the have defense Dylan is not great. And Jones from Green Bay would be better than than what Tampa Tom has. Ugh, Jeff, I roll Tampa Tom. I mean, come on, dude. That whole conversation is just it just makes you want to blast your head through drywall. Listen, Tom Brady's had an exceptional year. Aaron Rodgers has had an exceptional year. Aaron Rodgers drives me insane. I can't stand his anti-vax nonsense, his lying, his misleading, all that garbage. He is the best player on the best team in the NFC, in the sport. He's a top seed. His touchdown-to-quarterback ratio is out of control. 37 touchdowns to four interceptions. Brady, 43 scores, 12 picks. An outrageous 111.9 quarterback rating for Aaron Rodgers. And again, his team is the top seed in the league. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Brady's thrown for more yards. Aaron Rodgers, more yards per attempt. Aaron Rodgers, more accurate. Aaron Rodgers, an elite-level touchdown-to-interception ratio. Only four passes picked off this year. 
Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Best player, best team, indisposable. And you can make the point that, oh, they would have won some games without Tom Brady. Keyshawn was trying to make that case. Yeah, I think so. Jeff Saturday, adamant that they wouldn't. Well, what if Jordan Love was your quarterback? We saw one taste of Jordan Love, and that was bad. That was bad. Aaron Rodgers is a lot more important to the Packers than Jeff Saturday's trying to make him out to be. Way more important. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP, and we're going to debate it over and over and over and over and over again over the next couple of weeks. But Aaron Rodgers is the back-to-back MVP winner. Tom Brady has not been better than him. Aaron Rodgers has been the best taking care of the ball and the best distributing the ball in 2021. And that's your listening lunch here on Ken Levicka Live, ESPN 106.3. More to come, including our EDS air conditioning coolest moment of the week in our weekly discussion with Pat Lawler, Lawler and Associates personal injury attorneys, longtime NFL agent, our sports agent, and sports law insider. We are packed. We have you until two. Ken Levicka Live, ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. Live ESPN 106.3 free ESPN app and on your smart speaker got you until two o'clock here on ESPN West Palm and now it's time to smarten up the show a bit every single week we talk with our sports agent insider our sports law insider Pat Lawler who uh, spent many many years as an NFL agent Patrick Peterson Tyron Matthew just a couple of the clients that he represented and uh, he is on the inside of a sports agent talk and sports law and just happens to be the best damn personal injury attorney lawyer that you're going to find in South Florida, Lawler and Associates personal injury attorneys. For your free consultation, wanttolawyerup.com. That's wanttolawyerup.com. And Pat Lawler joins us as he does each week here on Ken Levick Alive. First, let me ask you this, Pat, because this is how we started the show today. Uh, how much NBA have you watched to this point? Uh, not that much. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. And uh, the only reason I ask is uh, Theo and I were, were chatting, and we've absolutely caught up with the NBA. We've stayed on top of it. I know that the Heat are just a bunch of 10-man contract teams who happen to be two and a half games out of first in the East. Uh, but I haven't watched a ton because I've been so inundated with football, yet NBA ratings are solid. They're pretty good. Uh, you've got the Bulls that are at the top of the Eastern Conference, and I think that that's drawing some attention. You've got the Warriors dominant again. I think it's just proof that in the NBA, if you still do have a modicum of star power, people are going to to tune in. Like I feel like we're in the minority right now. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, obviously the star power brings in the fans and the Clay Thompson coming back, and I think – Team starting to get all over the COVID because I think about every team, yeah, and probably three quarters of their team have it, and 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 then just the stories like the, the side notes like with Kyrie Irving and other stuff. So and teams like the Bulls and in Charlotte playing well, 
really spices up the uh, the uh, game. Yeah, without question. So again, Pat Lawler, Lawler and Associates, personal injury attorney, sports agent insider, sports law insider, longtime NFL agent, joining us here on Ken Levick Alive. Uh, I want to talk about Antonio Brown, and we talked a lot about him last week, uh, walking off the field in New York, more jumping jack off the field, uh, saying that his ankle was injured, he was being forced to go back into the game, and I feel dumb now because I made the mistake uh, for the better part of last week defending him, saying that he would get another NFL job. Job, saying that it was garbage the way he was treated. Bruce Arians was in the wrong. But then he heads over to the Send It In podcast and he's ripping apart Tom Brady, questioning why Rob Gronkowski makes more money if uh, AB was indeed Tom Brady's boy, as Tom says, really disparaging him, uh, really undercutting the rest of that receiver room with Tampa Bay, saying he's the one that made things go with the Buccaneers, which is just patently ridiculous. I feel silly. And now after that, seeing him just put a knife in Tom Brady's back, I really think that we might be seeing the end of Antonio Brown. Well, Ken, the whole thing with Antonio Lab, even when he, uh, he had the issue with the vaccine and even went with the Bucks last year. I was shocked at that, but he's somebody, it's all about Antonio Brown. I mean, it's all it's ever been recently is about him when he was the Steelers and then left. And it's always been about him, all the allegations of sexual assault. Uh, and hey, he's still a heck of a football player, but when you go after Tom Brady, <laughs> you go after the King and then his court with Gronkowski, you make a big mistake. He's done. I mean, to, to talk about burning bridges, he has no more material to build any type of bridge he is done no question i just feel like it's impossible for anybody to get to antonio brown he doesn't listen to anybody he doesn't take anybody's advice it i mean it feels like a lost cause now uh, yeah no coach is going to take the chance i mean Arians ba up there could take that chance with brady behind him there's no other coach in, in the league i think could do that or quarterback uh maybe aaron Rodgers be about the only one if Drew Brees is around maybe but I don't see anybody else that would deal with his baloney Speaking of the Buccaneers, we saw Tom Brady in Week 18 defy Bruce Arians and go back into the game for the sole purpose of getting Rob Gronkowski with one additional catch to a contract incentive. And it's admirable. It absolutely is. And Bruce Arians wasn't upset after the game. And Tom Brady went in through the one pass and then was done in what ended up being a blowout win for the Buccaneers. As an agent, would it be a good idea or a bad idea to keep clients abreast of uh, their incentives and where they are when it comes to making more money and unlocking those in the contract? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the contracts, the, the younger guys don't have a lot of incentives. The older guys do, especially guys like Gronk and even AB and other guys that come out late. Uh, yeah, you, you keep them on top of that throughout the whole season. Uh, I mean, you remember last couple of years ago, John Kitna had an incentive and they didn't give it to him. They went back and looked at all the film and we're able to show that he did have a certain number of yards, and he got the incentive. So if you're talking of millions of dollars, and people think, oh, millions of dollars is, you know, for the money they're making. Millions of dollars is millions of dollars, period. And so, absolutely, you want to keep them abreast of it. And I tend to always be sympathetic to football players especially because this is the only sport without guaranteed contracts. This is the sport with the most long-term damage after the fact. This is the sport with the longest career expectancy. I'm just really sensitive to guys making sure they hit their incentives just based on the nature of the sport and the nature of football's business as a whole. Yeah, I think that's always tough because this looks like it's selfish. 
I think it, it's more. I think it's more acceptable for a guy like Rock or a team that's winning, and it's not about get me my numbers on a team that's three and fourteen. Uh, I think it's a different approach. You, you never want to see that, but then again, the, the time and energy that they put in, billions of dollars these teams are making. I'm okay with a player being a little selfish, either Brady and Gronkowski, to give them a little extra. Uh, at the end of the year. While we're on the subject of football, the biggest news of the week down here has been Brian Flores being uh, fired by the Dolphins. Very unexpected in league circles. Uh, not many saw this coming, including the Dolphins' locker room. You have a client that is in a locker room that's going through a coaching change. What do you advise that that player to do? Welcome to the NFL business. Yeah. Um, the bottom line is that if you don't get along with the owner for whatever reason, uh, you're an employee of a billionaire. So you can take that for what it's worth in football or whether you're dealing with a tech company, is that you have to uh, walk the line. Uh, uh, I didn't see Florence as being the most personable guy, but obviously uh, he was able to you know, rally these guys and play well. I was shocked by it. Uh, not surprised, to be honest yeah, definitely a personality that seemed a little bit difficult to uh, to get inside with. And uh, now prevalent reports that uh, there was just miscommunication and not a great relationship between Flores and then the guys at the top. And no matter what industry, that typically is a, uh, a recipe for disaster. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3, talking with our sports agent and sports law insider, Pat Lawler, longtime NFL agent, Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys. If you have a slip and fall, an automobile accident, in a motorcycle accident, any sort of personal injury matter, Pat is talented. He can sit here and talk the ins and outs of sports, but also he's giving you the best chance at compensation in a personal injury matter. Decades of trial experience at Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys. Your free consultation is wanttolawyerup.com, wanttolawyerup.com. Make sure to tap into Pat Lawler if you have a personal injury matter. That's Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys. We saw the Cleveland Browns, whose season is coming to a disappointing end and their quarterback Baker Mayfield um, on social media really going back hard on uh, Cleveland media members that cover the Browns about reports between his relationship and Kevin Stefanski the head coach I mean Baker Mayfield going in spending an entire Sunday afternoon engaging these reports and these beat reporters and these media members and I, I just I wonder if you're an agent and your player is someone prone to reading what's going on and being said about him uh, how do you give advice and how do you think an athlete should conduct himself well the underlying uh, issue in the NFL is keep it within the locker room doors uh, when you go out there and you um, you attack your head coach uh, nobody else is out of, out of the uh, realm of you doing that and that that creates a, a bad atmosphere. I, you kind of saw with Frank Reich when they asked him about when, and they wanted to critique him, and he said, listen, I don't critique anybody in public. I look at the film, and then we'll discuss what happened. Uh, people don't like to hear that. They want to hear him going after somebody. Uh, I'm not a big fan of going to the media and, and those types of issues, but uh, he did. That's the kind of guy he is. Um, we'll see what kind of uh, quarterback he's going to be. It's been a, a miss so far. And I'm not sure, but this doesn't help that Cleveland Browns 
No, it just feels like it's wildly counterproductive. I get wanting to defend yourself, but it's probably easier to ignore and go about your business than engage in that spot. And it certainly makes your agent's life a whole lot more difficult when that athlete is going to uh, go after media members. I wanted to do something a little unique here because I stumbled on this story. Out in California, La Sierra University, it's a small private school. A woman in attendance at a baseball game there was hit in the head with a foul ball. She suffered skull fractures and brain damage. Initially, her lawsuit was dismissed, but uh, a court has since been able to revive her lawsuit against this school. She's claiming that uh, the university should have known the standard of care is to provide safety netting along the first and third base lines, including the dugout areas. It doesn't appear as if this existed there. Does she have a case uh, the school, are they protected from any sort of lawsuit uh, with a situation like this? How do you consume this? What do you make of this? Well, 10 years ago, no, Ken, but things have changed. I mean, anybody who's been to a major league park and even a minor league park now sees that they have netting all the way down the first and third baseline because they catastrophic foul balls. And the key is everybody knows in the back of their ticket inherent in the wrist, these wrists, you're hearing a risk of the sport. Yes, a foul ball is inherent in the risk of going to a baseball game. However, if that organization is on notice that they could do certain things to make it safer and it's become the standard in the industry, i.e. the major league, minor league, and probably other universities have done it, and they don't do it, then they are uh, on notice of a dangerous issue which could have been remedied, and I think she has a case. That's probably why I haven't read the opinion. That's probably why the appellate court has reversed it to have it go back to the lower court to decide, you know, if they had noticed and if there's any fault on other people. Very, very interesting stuff and something that I think uh, we don't focus on a lot, but is some have experienced this being injured at a stadium or a ballpark, and it goes back to uh, fans falling out of the stands in Washington just a couple of weeks ago, foul balls at the small private school. Uh, there are many, many things that, uh, that can happen and then end up going into court. And that's why we have Pat Lawler, because he has a perspective on it all, the ins and the outs. Pat Lawler of Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys, wanttolawyerup.com for your free consultation wanttolawyerup.com uh, slip and fall motorcycle automobile any sort of personal injury matter pat's the guy pat lawler lawler and associates personal injury attorneys that's where you want to go to free consultation wanttolawyerup.com pat you're the best i appreciate you we'll do this again next week okay you got it, Ken. Be safe. Pa Pat Lawler, Lawler & Associates, personal injury attorneys. More Ken LeVick Alive after this on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken LeVick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LeVicka. Ken LeVick Alive presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Your path to the sports industry again. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport, the title partner of Ken LeVick Alive. Uh, so if you missed it earlier this week, uh, we had WPTV news cameras uh, in our studio during Ken LeVick Alive talking about the Brian Flores uh, firing. Brian Flores ended up uh, making the news coverage on WPTV News Channel 5. And so uh, we were able to not only get the TV cameras in here, but we were the stars 
of WPTV's coverage of the Brian Flores firing. No, not Javon Holland or Tua Tungavailoa or Jalen Waddell or anyone. It was us. It was me and Theo Dorsey from Monday on Ken Levick Alive. So let's relive it, shall we? We are the news. This is the EDS Air Conditioning Coolest Moment of the Week. Time now for the coolest moment of the week. Cool. Cool, yeah. The coolest moment of the week is brought to you by EDS Air Conditioning. Here's what happened last night, WPTV News Channel 5. This is a place that people go for hard news, to know what's happening in their community, to understand either the great news or the, the horrifying news that's happening in their community, in their own backyard, amongst the people they live. This is serious television. And Theo and I were the source. We were the center, the base of their story about Brian Flores being fired by the Dolphins. Brandon Esperl, take it away. A major decision tonight coming out of the Miami Dolphins organization with the firing of head coach Brian Flores. The move comes after a win last night against the rival New England Patriots. WPTV's Brianna Nesprol shares how fans are reacting to this unexpected decision. Well, I don't know what Brian Flores thought was going to happen. Uh, Three years yeah. of coaching. This was a power struggle. Two winning seasons. That is definitely the surprise firing oh, yeah. of this NFL Monday. Not yeah. enough. Yeah. 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 Brian yeah. Flores is out in Miami. Came out of left field for me. I totally didn't expect it. It hasn't worked. It was the talk of the two-hour show at our partners at ESPN Radio. Let's go to Jupiter. That's where Brian is. Hey, Brian. Hey, Fans Brian. called in to answer the big question. Career through... Did the Finns fumble the ball with this firing? What do all those equal? Unemployment. Radio host Ken Levicka. I don't think it's that wild. Behind the Dolphins' decision. Is it fair? No. Is it surprising? No. You know what also sucks is not going to the playoffs. That's right. You said no twice. But many callers on defense. Too short of a lease for Flores. Calling this a mistake. I'm absolutely dumbfounded. We tracked down one of those callers. This is like the most shocking That's news Leo that I've had of the Dolphins in a while. Diehard Dolphins fan Leonardo Bejarano says Wait, Flores was an extra name. point for the team's future. I really think that the Dolphins were on a good track. I really think the Dolphins were headed Leo's in the right direction TV. for next season and the seasons beyond. Now, the hope of many Dolphins is to wait until next year. Who do you think they should get next? With a new head coach. First, let's get to the playoffs. Yeah. And then let's win a playoff Damn game. Right, in Ken. West Palm Beach, Brianna Nesbra, WPTV News Channel 5. Man, are we good at what we some do? sports pub in heaven. Oh. Joe Robbie, Don Shula, and the old GM Joe Thomas are mm. shaking their heads. Yep, I agree, Michael. When are we stars? First off, Michael commented on a story about us. That we really made it. We have made it. Yeah. Michael Williams made it. And the 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 woman, the the star reporter. At WPTV, who made it all possible is Brianna Nesprol, and she joins us here on Ken Levick Alive. First of all, Brianna, the story was awesome. Really appreciate it. I know you're uh, you're on your day off, so I appreciate <laughs> you uh, hanging out with us. But uh, uh, great story. That was really, really good. Uh, just in the list of stories you've done in your career, what does that one rank in terms of importance uh, in, in your entire broadcasting career? Well, let's start, guys. Thanks for having me. But you guys were the real star. I mean getting these callers from you really helped me out with the story. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't really done a lot of sports stories. I'm not a sports <laughs> reporter, but 
first one here in West Palm Beach, taking it back to my hometown, covering the Dolphins. So it's got to be up there. I will say, I mean, I did meet, I have met some co- um, some cool people back in the day, but meeting you guys, oh. starting off strong, wow. yeah. so, you know, this this is, going, this is getting to the top. Brianna, that is awesome. Brianna Nesbrough, WPTV News Channel 5 with us here on Ken Levick Alive. That was her story last night that, uh, that, that had me and Theo is the base of the right. Brian Flores uh, firing story. Now, I'm not someone, and Theo lives in the TV world, Brian. I'm a dope, and so I don't know much about the TV world. But uh, your producer uh, suggests this story to you, and uh, you you say what as someone who is not immersed in the sports world? You're young, you're eager, you're trying to make your mark in the market. What are you thinking initially when they're like, hey, go to the sports talk radio station and talk with these idiots? I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> let's think about all the sports I know, talk about football, <laughs> things. Thank goodness I am a football fan. Okay. Uh, I am familiar with Dolphins. I am from Miami. So I was like, this is a perfect first story to do. Um, But I'm like, okay, now I need help. What angle should I do? Where should I go? And we have this partnership. I'm like, got to go to you guys. We need help. What should we do? You guys, obviously, we're talking about it all day. It was the news of the day. So thank God for you guys for helping me out uh, (laughs) right away. Brianna, we've got your back. Anything you need, even if it's a non-sports story, yeah. let us know, and we'll see what we can do to help you. We're man of the people. Let's we'll talk about. Good it. to know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Uh, so I need to know, and Theo and I need to know about Leo and Riviera. We Beach. need. That's to how we know. know him. We didn't even know his last name, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's on TV. And, and honestly, I'm a little uncomfortable with the fact that he got so much FaceTime, maybe equal <laughs> to you and I. Theo. He did. So uh, we need to discuss this. Was he at work? I saw him wearing what appeared to be an official work polo. Did you? Did you talk to him at work? Leo was fully at work. He's like, it's okay. Just come to my work. I'll step outside for a couple minutes. We'll do a quick interview. Oh, man. I called him. He called himself the biggest Dolphins fan in all of Palm Beach County. Wow. So I said, okay, we have to talk to him. But I'm, I'm going to throw him under the bus for a second. Oh, do it. I asked him. I asked him if he had season tickets to the Dolphins, and he told me no. Yeah. What oh. kind of diehard fan? Brianna, you're totally right. How can you call yourself the most diehard Dolphins fan in Palm Beach County and not have season tickets? Brianna is absolutely... That's the reporter in you. You've connected the dots and you're onto something there and you're exactly right. He's a phony. He is a phony. (laughs) No, he's not a phony. He knows everything. Just, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He says it's hard to drive down every weekend. I said, okay, okay. He Uh, he said he goes to the big ones. I'll give him that. All right. But that was, uh, I was like, what? Brianna, really? Brianna will give him the benefit of the yeah. doubt. Theo and I are not nice enough to do that. We talked to Theo <laughs> enough to know that he's, he's being a total phony right now. Uh, Brianna, how long have you been at WPTV, by the way? Um, this is actually my second week. Oh, my God. Brand new. That is amazing. <laughs> so you're from Miami originally. Uh, where were you? Where did you work before you came down here to Palm Beach County in the Treasure Coast? I'm coming from WGFL in Gainesville, Florida. Amazing. So welcome back to civilization. It's good to have you back uh, (laughs) in in, in a place with some semi-normal people. That's right. You heard me, former Gators. The Swamp. Yeah. yeah. That might as well be Georgia. She might as well have been Georgia for the previous stop in her career. Hey, hey, hey. Go dog. Oh, that's right. 
Uh, yeah, wow. Absolutely. See, Brianna, I think I think that if you give sports a chance, you might as well just pop in here every week, and we'll have our own sports segment with uh, with Brandon Esbrell. And and now that you have done this story on us, you're a friend of the show. Anytime you want to pop in, come hang out. We'd love to have you on the show. Uh, if you need some some sports insight, Theo and I have you. We got it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll 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 get a hold. Of, I have a feeling it's going to be more us getting hold of her than her getting hold of us. Yeah. That's just how I feel. That's probably going to go. Can down. I say? Can I? I commend her on something. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love the intro part of her story where she parallel parked the net sound bites in there and kind of popped in and out with your takes and her her narrative. Is that what they called in the business parallel? Yeah, park? yeah. She knows what I'm talking about. Okay, I love that. Brianna. I love that. Thank you, thank you. I'm down to get in there, but my question is, how do I find a job that allows me to wear? Such comfy clothes. <laughs> work out clothes to work every day. Man, you better have it good. All right, so so Brianna, I have to be so. All right, so at eleven thirty, eleven thirty is when I found out that you were coming in. I was wearing FAU sweatpants and a Bubba Wallace T-shirt. Yeah, Brianna, I would have I would have dressed up at least with a collared shirt if I knew you guys were coming yesterday. That was really embarrassing, and I appreciate though these semi-tight shots where you couldn't really see the T-shirt. All that. that nice. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Uh, I want to. I'd rather wear. I'd rather wear that. You know, sometimes I don't want to go in a dress and get my hair done, <laughs> get my makeup done. I'd rather look. More comfy. Uh, Brianna, just come in like once a week. Come in once a week. You can wear sweatpants. You can wear a sweatshirt. We don't judge. Yeah. You can come on and we'll just have some fun, okay? You're a friend of the show Love now. It. So we'll, we awesome. awesome. Brianna, you're a total pro. That was a great story. Appreciate you making us look good yesterday. And it, it made me come off as the sports radio hot taker I've always wanted oh, yeah. to be. <laughs> And so I really appreciate that. Brianna Nesbrill, WPTV News Channel 5. Enjoy the rest of your... What, what do you do on a day off, by the way? Someone new to this area, uh, a, a young news reporter on her day off. What does she do? Do you go to the beach? It's kind of rainy. What, what's on the docket today? Well, if I'm being honest, got to run some errands and buy some furniture. So that's not fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's sitting on the floor right <laughs> yeah, now in but, a new apartment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> bean bags Hopefully and next I can enjoy. Hopefully next week I can enjoy the city a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, Theo's the man about town. He can give you recommendations. And gotcha. uh, and we appreciate you here on the show for making us look good. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay, Brianna? Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Brandon Nussbrough, WPTV News Channel 5. And then here is the man who was made a star yesterday on mm. WPTV News Channel 5, Leo in Riviera Beach, who got as much <laughs> face time as Theo and I did on that news story last night. So let me, let me, I, I just want to piece this together, Leo. We, full disclosure, ahead, we gave, we gave Brianna, the, the great Brianna Nesbrill at WPTV, your contact information. And she asked, hey, do you want to be on camera? So I'm not surprised, Leo, and I've known you for quite a while. I'm not surprised that it took you about 0.1 seconds to say, yeah, sure, come on by. So you were working yesterday when WPTV <laughs> rolled by with a news camera? Yeah, I was actually on the. I was on my lunch break and we got an hour of lunch. So I said, "Yeah, if you can come, if you come by before two o'clock, I can. Uh, you know, we can fit you in. We can get it done." So oh, man. she was. She, her and Alex were. Uh, you know, awesome. Great to great to meet. I was excited to meet them. I've seen Alex on WPTV before many a time, and 
And so it was just cool. It was a cool experience. I, you know, I got that YouTube channel, Leo Be The Lion. That's so right. I'm trying to get my 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. And so <laughs> I want to make sure that we're abundantly clear about something, okay? When you get your own sports television show, whether it be public access or on Bally's or wherever it may be, I need you <laughs> to think about yesterday where Ken Levicka and Theo Dorsey took care of you yeah. and said, hey, maybe you should go talk with Leo and Riviera Beach. I want you to always know, Leo, that we gave you your start, okay? Most definitely, Ken. You and I go way back since Dolphin Be Reported uh, days, and you know, I, and I was the only one who wanted to spend time with you then. <laughs> so uh, now more people want to spend time with uh, you, so that's a good thing. Uh, and Theo... Hey, Theo Rhymes with Leo, so definitely I'll never forget you guys. And uh, when I get my first one, y'all will be on the show. First guest. Man, he's even, I mean, we knew this. Leo just has the personality of a TV star. He though. has it. I he see, has yeah, he has that it. Yeah. I, and I got to say, it, Leo, that the fact that you, you busted out that mustache on one of the top rated NBC affiliates in the United States of America yesterday, that's bold. And I respect the hell out of it. That was really, really strong mustache behavior on your part. I appreciate you. I'm trying to go, you know, trying to go back to my roots a little bit and see what I can do. Keep <laughs> keep the mustache going strong. <laughs> oh, Leo, excellent stuff, man. You're welcome, first of all. And also, thank you. Thank for, you, guys, uh, as for, always. Uh, Brian, appreciate you, brother. Thanks, guys. Have All a great right. show. All right, man. Leo and Riviera Beach, the newest TV star in this market. Who knew? Who would have dreamt that up? Leo knew. Yeah, he, he definitely knew. <laughs> from uh, from rags to riches, the Leo and Riviera Beach story. Yeah. <laughs> and it all happened. I, he better give us credit. I mean, I'm it. telling you right now, like I'm adamant about this, like almost to the point of anger. If he makes it, that's on us. We did that. Yeah, we, we need to that. be in the bio. We need to be in the acceptance speech when he's like, yeah, getting when his he's getting his Emmy. When he's getting his Emmy, I, I damn well better be a name that he mentions yeah. up there at the podium. That's just some good old-fashioned fun with your local newswoman. And by the way, again, congrats to Leo on uh, using us as uh, his jumping-off point to a career in television. Again, you're welcome, Leo. That's the EDS Air Conditioning coolest moment of the week. EDS Air Conditioning, EDS is yes. They have been doing it since 2006. They're family-owned and operated. It is about to get summerish. Uh, here in South Florida. It is about to be humid every day. It's about to be near the 90s every single day. We're about to get super tropical again. And you know that cool days like the ones we've been having the last couple, those are few and far between. That AC is going to need to kick on. It's going to need to happen quick. And if your AC is busted, you're going to be miserable. You need to be proactive about it. And if you haven't been proactive and it just uh, dies on you, well, you need a quick fix. And that's where EDS air conditioning comes in. EDS is Yes, EDS Air Conditioning, train comfort specialists. It's hard to stop a train. They get the job done with the best equipment, and they are using their appointment times, working their appointment times around you. They're trying to make sure that you're not held hostage in your hot humid, uncomfortable home like so many other AC companies do. And they're versatile. EDS Air Conditioning handles your plumbing needs as well. That's EDS Air Conditioning. EDS is yes. EDSAirConditioning.com. EDS is yes. That's EDS Air Conditioning. I'm Ken Lavica, and we have more on ESPN 106.3. You are listening to Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. <laughs> 
final few minutes of Ken LaVica Live presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. want to thank everybody for uh, being a part of and hanging with us here on this Wednesday. Uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention something that has become very near and dear to my heart and to our collective football heart. Someone that we had really grown to love because... He was so unnecessarily intense, and he was so refreshingly meatballish. And as much as he preached about his discipline, his team just got worse and worse and less disciplined. And he was so cute and so cuddly and so hilarious. And he has the best audio clip in the league, the best soundbite in the league, because He truly put himself out there and tried to convince us that he was a Giants fan. He was one of them. Farewell to Joe Judge, who we thought was going to hang on and be able to fight the good fight for the Maras for one more year. But the Giants yesterday bidding him farewell, bidding him adieu. Joe Judge, we're going to miss you, man. We are going to miss your over-the-top, almost cartoonish intensity. We are going to miss you continuing to try and convince us that players wanted to be in that Giants locker room even after you lost in the most embarrassing of ways. At your worst this year, you could make the argument you were the worst team in the NFL. But Joe Judge Sunday had what ended up being a magnificent farewell performance. He closed the curtains in only the way Joe Judge could. And that's with that incredible Northeast accent, that edge, and that, ah, yeah, guys, I'm one of you, boomy. You got to love it. Let's relive the final day we got with Joe Judge on Sunday. Farewell, Joe. All right, but I'll tell you right now, all right, if you're in the damn building, you walk into our locker room, you ain't seeing that crap you saw before. All right? You ain't seeing guys right now planning vacations. You ain't seeing golf clubs in front of players' locker. You ain't seeing that stuff. Okay? You ain't seeing that. All right? And that's not because of some high school program we're cracking with. It's because our guys understand how to play together as a team. And they understand the process of how they're going through. So... I can go through a whole X's and O's evaluation. I can go through a roster evaluation. I can go through a lot of things for you right now, okay? I do it every day myself. I go through all that stuff. But in terms of the next step to take, I can tell you right now, okay, I know we're a whole lot closer to where we're going than we are further away. I can tell you we got more players here who are going to be free agents next year, all right, who are in my office every day begging to come back. I know that. Okay, I know that. The players that we coached last year that still call me twice a week talking about, you know, how much they wish they were still here and they're getting paid more somewhere else. Okay, so I know we've got the right foundational pieces in. I know we have some players, some key positions, all right, that are guys you can build with, keep carrying on. All right, I know we got the right temperament. I know we got the right culture in terms of teaching the players, okay, which is why I don't come up here and try to assassinate some player because I think it's going to save mine, okay? Because behind closed doors, we shut those doors, I can tell every player to a man, look him in the eye, exactly what the hell he screwed up on and exactly how it's got to get fixed. I can tell him to hold him as accountable as can be. Because I ain't going to sit up here like some other coward sitting behind the microphone and put his players on blast. Okay? That's it. 
I sign up to be the head coach here. Whatever bull gets fired, better get fired for me. You got that? It's got to go through me to get to that. And that's the way it is. Going to miss that cuddly little meatball. That's it for us here on Ken Levick Alive. We'll be back tomorrow, noon Eastern time. I will be coming to you from the road, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's right, the suburbs of Nashville. That's where I'm talking to you tomorrow. Will I do the show in front of a dumpster or a broken computer or a weird guy who is talking into a recorder? I've done all those things so far during this FAU basketball season. We'll have to see what surprises tomorrow brings. Thank you to Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of it. I'm Ken Levicka, and I've been here on ESPN 106.3. Bye-bye now.